we're actually getting to see the unreliable narrative of a malignant narcissist. Yeah, I think it says that on the VHS. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today, we're talking about the movie Woman in Red from 1984. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Holly. What's up? (laughs) Ready to talk about this terrible movie? Mm -hmm. Woman in Red. I am. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, do do you remember seeing this movie when you were a kid? I do. I don't remember a lot of details, but I mean, I think I saw every Gene Wilder movie when I was a kid, so I know I saw this one. Yeah, and I mean, I remember, you know, the whole red dress and the dancing on the air grate and all of that stuff. But other than that, I don't really remember much of it. Now I can see why. (laughs) Because it's very forgettable. I feel like, once again, this movie, the only good thing about it is Kelly LeBrock. And Gilda Radner is in this one, so. But Kelly LeBrock really is, like, the best part of the movie. (laughs) Just, like, weird science. (laughs) This movie, for me, when I was a kid, I don't know. I mean, I watched this with my mom at home. So we got it on VHS. I was probably, it was probably, like, 1986 or something whenever I saw it, I would imagine. But I remembered, I've actually always remembered this movie as being one of the worst movies of the 80s. Wow. As far as like making men look like complete jackass pigs. I'm going to have to be really like bringing it in here because this movie, (laughs) like I remember, okay, so whenever I watched this movie originally, my mom was getting irritated with me because I kept making smart ass comments Mm -hmm. because I hated the movie so much. And I was just like, at every turn, it's like, it's aggressively immature. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. How would you sum this movie up? Like what, what would you, what's the plot? So the plot of the movie is, I would say, Gene Wilder is just like an average working Joe with a wife and two kids living in a beautiful row house in San Francisco. And he is a good husband and a good father. And he says he's never really pays attention when a pretty girl goes by. Mm -hmm. He's faithful to his wife until he sees Kelly LeBrock dancing on a great, an air grate in the parking garage and her dress flies up. And then he becomes entranced and obsessed with her. And then he just goes on this journey of idiocy, trying to get next to her and impress her and makes up all these stories and basically acts like a child to get into scenarios to get out of his house and try to have a date with her and fool his wife. It almost happens, but then at the very end, it gets foiled and... He realizes, hey, I already have a great life. What am I doing here? I should go back to my wife and kids. And that's pretty much where it ends. Great summary. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know. It's just so awful. This movie deserves whatever sort of ridicule (laughs) that is thrown at it. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. I mean, oh my up, God. up until this point, besides weird science, the movies we watched, I felt like we've been pleasantly surprised and that we, I like, I feel like the trend is, oh, I thought this was going to be worse. Yeah. Maybe it's not as bad as you thought, because look at all these other movies. But no, it's actually, I actually think it might be worse than I thought. I would like to share my favorite quote, which actually happens at the end of the movie. Okay. When he's out on a ledge. (laughs) So my favorite quote of the movie is spoken by the babe reporter in the short skirt, in the high heels. And she says, suicide. That's my favorite quote of the movie. Wow. It's Slim Pickens for favorite quotes. <laughs> you know me. I'm not easily offen- offended. I think maybe I'm usually more of the offensive one <laughs> <laughs> in some circles. And this movie did not offend me, except in the sense that I did not laugh once and every single scene was an attempt to get a laugh from the audience. There were things in the movie that if they had been, if the dialogue or the physical comedy had been presented differently, I could have like forgiven some of the plot points and the characters in the film because I would have laughed. However, there was no laughter. You're right. I don't think I ever laughed. Is it is it supposed to be a comedy? It's supposed to be a comedy. God. The whole yeah, that's all. That's it. It's just supposed to be a comedy. I mean, so I was looking for the VHS description afterwards and it's mm-hmm. um one thing said that basically like at this point in his career, Gene Wilder was comic gold because he had worked mm. with Mel Brooks and all of that. And so this was his opportunity to, I think, write and direct this movie. So it's his first, (laughs) it's his directorial debut. Honey, you might want to stick with the Mel Brooks movies. (laughs) Yeah. Get out of that director's seat, buddy. It's kind of like a, it's based on a remake of a French film called Pardon My Affair or something. I bet that was a lot funny. (laughs) I'm sure it was a lot funnier. It couldn't be worse. Okay, I'm just wondering, is this the worst movie from the 80s? Well, that's a bold statement. I'm sure there are worse. (laughs) There have to be worse. But it's got to be up there. One thing, okay, the one thing that did make me smile in the movie was anything that Gilda Radner did. Yes. But not because of what she actually did in the movie, which I find to be horrifying, but because of the meta joke, Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner were a couple during this. I don't think they were married yet, but they like got married. His girlfriend, future wife, is punishing him in the movie for cheating, (laughs) even though she's not like one of the main characters that's like. I just thought it was, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Knowing that they are actually together and then they ended up being married for a long time made it, made it funnier to see the way they were interacting and how she was getting her revenge on him. 
because there was some misunderstanding and he thought he was inviting the woman in red to dinner, but really he was inviting his coworker Gilda Radner to dinner. And then he stood her up because his wife ruined his plans to yeah. go out to dinner with another woman that night. So rude. What a so then Gilda Radner just spends her time like getting revenge on him basically. And that is one of the only kind of funny parts. But, but yeah, even that, I never actually laughed out loud. <laughs> if I had not known that they were a couple, I would have found absolutely no humor in what she did. Because what she did was like violence and property damage. Mm-hmm. So we see the woman in red who's Charlotte. Her name's Charlotte. And she's like having fun dancing on this great. She doesn't think there's anybody around. Quite frankly, I feel like I probably would do that myself. So. <laughs> Kind of like, you know, cool. Teddy, played by Gene Wilder, he's he's sitting in his car and he's like watching her and he becomes completely obsessed. Then he finds that she's sitting in another office where he works. So he he finds information on her. He waves at her. She looks at him and she does not wave back. Clue number one, the person is not interested. They did not wave back. It's clear. I am not interested in your attention. Every turn, Charlotte is like, no, thank you. And he continues to find out where she's going to be so that he can go there and accidentally run into her. And then when she once again rejects him, he still pursues her. It's as though he feels entitled to her. It's so strange. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm a good husband. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never been interested in anyone else, but I am interested in this woman. So I do deserve this. I don't know how any wife expects her man to be faithful when she goes to a study group once a week. Ew. It was the initial justification and introduction of his wife that his wife is not giving him what he needs right in the moment immediately. Because he's still a child and your wife is there to be the mother so that you never have to grow up emotionally and you can act like a teenage boy the rest of your life when you're with your guy friends. They do. They are aggressively immature, just like you said. And anytime, I mean, in the movie, he's throwing these tantrums as a way to like distract his wife from what's going on or to just kind of like manipulate the situation into what's convenient for him. But she doesn't act like it's that out of the ordinary for him to be throwing these tantrums like a little baby. And then she's like, oh, do you need something? You need a drink or something? And it's like, this is terrible. I mean, I'm thinking like, so he came home from work and he was like, my boss wants me to do this and this and they're taking advantage of me. And it's like all part of his elaborate ruse to like start making up the reason why he needs to leave the house that night to have the affair. And then she's trying to comfort him. And it's like, yeah, of course, like if Dan comes home from work and he's had a bad day, then I will be comforting him and maybe like, do you want to drink? But he doesn't act like a child about everything. You know, you're supposed to be there to comfort your spouse, but they're not supposed to act like like a teenage boy <laughs> No, on a regular basis. To the tantrum point, the, the issue of men having temper tantrums, a man having a temper tantrum usually looks like violence. And I I generally think that people who are committing outbursts of violence, I I see those as being temper tantrums. But because you're an adult man and the culture is encouraging you to be 
a teenage boy who's violent, uh, that violence is okay. And in fact, it's an expression of your manliness. I actually feel like his, his behavior in this movie is abusive. He's constantly gaslighting his wife and he's getting his friends to participate. The, they're elaborate lies and they're all rooted around him being taxed at work and him playing that he's a victim of his responsibilities as a husband before. Yeah. It's, it's weird. (laughs) Half the time that he's lying to his wife, he doesn't even have like a date with Charlotte or anything. He's just trying to like find her so he can get to her. And then, okay. So when he finally gets to her and he, he's finally able to ask her on a date, just imagine you're sitting in your car and you've had a few, you've had a weird couple of days because you keep seeing this guy who's about 30 years older than you following you around and trying to get your attention in these ways that are often involve yelling and strange physical outbursts. And then suddenly he's approaching your car and then he asks you out and you say no. And then he asks you out again and you say no. And then he asks you out again. And then all of a sudden, you decide that, yes, I absolutely want to have sex with this man who's been stalking me for the past three days and who's also old enough to be my dad. Yeah. What's going on there? The worst part was that she had said no, no, no. And then she is about to drive off and he jumps on the hood of her car like a madman. And then she's like, come here, big boy. And then that's when she decides she wants to go out with him. It's like, what kind of message is this? (laughs) And it's like telling men, hey, you just keep going after that bitch until she gives in. Because this isn't about her being attracted to you. This isn't about her looking at you and thinking, I know that guy's going to give me multiple orgasms when we (laughs) fuck. No. This is about her looking at you thinking, God, this guy really gets turned on by me. So that means I must be hot. And since that's my only value in this culture, that means I'm a worthy person. And so I have to give in to this man because it's going to continue to validate my existence with his sexual attention. Exactly. Yes. I feel like that's such a message that we got. I mean, that's how I felt growing up is just like, well, if someone finds me attractive, then I should just be happy that they find me attractive. And it doesn't really matter how I feel about them. I should be like flattered. Yeah. It's almost like you feel you're supposed to feel grateful to them. And then someone obligated like, well, (laughs) if he likes me and he likes me this much, I should just go out with him, even though he seems creepy and I don't really like him. Well, that's how male entitlement works because we're because women are indoctrinated into objectifying themselves. Women, a lot of times, like we treat each other with the male gaze that has been programmed into us. Really, it's just like in the last eight years, I feel like this has been changing at all. Um, but up until that point, you, you're constantly bombarded with images of women's body parts that look a certain way that's like generally unattainable for most of the population. 
So we're already being trained to look at ourselves as body parts. And then on top of that, we're trained to think that our fundamental worth as a human is dependent on how fuckable we are to men. It sets women up to become aroused, not by the man and how attractive the man is or how good he is at sex, but to be attracted to the man and turned on by the man simply because the man is turned on by her. And that's like part of the reason that women can't fucking have orgasm. A lot of women can't have orgasms is because they're fucking disassociated from their bodies. Because we've been trained to be disassociated by, from our bodies because we we are sexually abused. We are sexually objectified. And we are also told in every way possible that we're completely deficient just because we exist because of Eve. Preach it. There's no way I could say it any better. <laughs> I'm glad that made sense because I am red with fucking rage right now. <laughs> Woman in red, that's me. Because this movie <laughs> pissed me off. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. Yeah, we need some more Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney! <laughs> you can like redeem the 80s man. Yeah, so there's just so many creepy elements. So after he throws himself on her car like a madman and she's like, yeah, that's it you did it for me now let's have dinner they're gonna have dinner that night and he books he you see him calling to book a hotel room for the night too and it's like what a presumptuous asshole you are first of all so he just assumes that she's gonna have sex with them Mm -hmm. and then oh yeah he's gonna make up a story for his wife then for real to like get out of the house for the night and he sends himself a western union telegram Mm mm-hmm it is. He's totally gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, like that night to prepare and like throw his wife off track, he comes home with like champagne and flowers. And he's like, we're going to have a romantic evening at home oh. tonight. And he's having a bubble bath oh. and trying to be all sexy. And his wife is like, oh, are we going to make love? And he's just like prepping her for oh. this romantic evening the whole time, knowing that he's just planning to leave and go have sex with this other woman. It's disgusting. It's like, you're lucky that anyone would even have sex with you at all. Your poor wife, Gene Wilder, sorry. And then you're going to treat her like this? He's like a psychopath in this movie. He has no emotions whatsoever. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. He doesn't tell the truth to anybody. Well, Mm -hmm. I I guess he tells the truth to his little frat buddies. I actually feel like I hate Gene Wilder. I know, but I'm I really thought I loved him from like all the movies with Richard Pryor. I feel like that's the oh, movies yeah. that my family watched. <laughs> so I was expecting like cute, fuzzy, cuddly Gene Wilder, and instead I got serial killer <laughs> Gene Wilder. Yeah, he gets his frat buddies to help him. Like at first, he doesn't even want to tell them. Like his one friend, he he asked him to call me um, tonight and say that you need me to come into work. And then he's like, is this for another woman? And Gene Wilder is like, no, no, no. It's uh, I'm making a surprise for my wife. And he's like, okay. But uh, yeah, of course, it was for him to try to get out of the house. But all of his friends are also being unfaithful to their partners as well. And so you see, like, in the beginning of the movie, his one friend is, like, just bragging about, oh, I've got this one tonight at 7.15. Tonight at 9.15. 
And they're like, what about your wife? Doesn't she notice? And he's like, she's too busy with the kids to notice anything. And she's a saint. She would never cheat on me. Mm-hmm. And then that while they're, <laughs> while they're having that conversation, his wife is moving out of the house and like taking the kids. Cause she did find out about him. And so that happens and all you're like, Oh, okay. Well maybe this will be like a cautionary tale for Teddy. And he'll realize, don't do this. Don't go through with this. This is what happens. But no, it doesn't stop him at all. It's like, he just continues on his quest. Uh, he's a man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if there's anything that we know about men from 80s movies, it's that they cannot control themselves. If they get a boner from anything, they got to fuck. Ew. I mean, that's the 80s, babe. Lick it up. <laughs> <laughs> the most disgusting line from Heather's it keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's, yeah, once he gets it in his head, that's it. He's not turning back. No matter what warning signs are thrown in his path. Okay, so then we find out that his friend Charles Grodin is also being unfaithful to his partner. Buddy. Um, They made it Buddy. His name is Buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I like Charles Grodin, don't you? You just, I just always like him. I always Mm -hmm. like him. Didn't he recently pass away? I don't know. I could think he did. No. Um, Sorry. Um, So anyway, we find out in a roundabout way that he's also been unfaithful to his partner who is a man and they made it like really subtle to where I was kind of confused mm-hmm. for a second. Um, he finds they a bracelet. Ne- yeah. Huh? Oh, they never say anything about being gay. They mm-hmm. don't actually say it. It's all implied. He even says like my friend moved out. Right. And then that's when, that's when Teddy realizes, oh, he's gay. Like, my yeah, friend's so gay. Did they all not realize until No, then? they didn't know. Oh, okay. He had kept sure. it a secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then um, we get, this is the only scene where I feel like I recognize Gene Wilder. So Buddy's like, oh my God, you know, now that you know I'm gay, like, shit, you know. And Teddy's just like, I don't care. And none of his friends cared. Yeah. And I was like, this is pretty rad. But it also has, it's also that attitude though, that all of your emotional investments are with other men. And that the women in your lives are to take care of you like a mom and to fuck like a whore. And this movie really sums up that, zeitgeist that we were living in for so long um that's now finally changing this movie sums that up like pretty blatantly with how joey basically calls his wife a saint and that he you know fucks whores yes so one of the worst parts i don't even think i have a favorite quote from this movie to Mm -hmm. be honest with you but one of the parts that really bothered me so much is um, in the beginning of the day. So he sees Charlotte and he becomes obsessed with her. That's like before he goes into work. Then I guess at lunch is when they go play tennis and have all of this. And then his wife is Mm. the one that picks him up and drives him to tennis during his lunch break. And 
they're driving and her skirt is like off to the side. So her thigh is showing and he takes her skirt and covers it back up and covers her thigh. Like he doesn't want to look at her leg. And that made me sick to my stomach. It made me so angry. And it's like, oh, since you just saw Charlotte dancing today and looking at her ass and legs, now you don't even want to look at your wife's legs. Mm -hmm. And that infuriated me. Well, you know, it's like Picasso thought once the woman has a baby, she's no longer fuckable under any circumstance. Oh, Picasso said that? Well, he didn't say it, but I mean, he said it with his (laughs) actions. Donald Trump said that too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't believe it. (laughs) Apparently he said like, I just don't want to sleep with a woman who's had kids. And then his friend was like, but they're your kids. (laughs) It's your wow. wife. <laughs> anyway. Ugh. Yeah, now he wants that. to fuck. Now, yeah, he doesn't want to fuck the mom anymore. Now he wants to fuck his daughter. No. Ew. So the major theme in this movie, and also the reason that I don't find it comical, is because all of the jokes, maybe not every joke, but most of the jokes are centered around someone getting hurt and being like really inconsiderate. There's no wit that like, there's nothing witty or clever in what is supposed, supposed to be the humor to me. And it's all rooted in destroying property or like the scene when buddy acts blind and with it he has a cane and he goes into this restaurant and he starts yelling for his friend and he is whipping his cane around and like breaking everything in the restaurant and then he leaves and then they all have a good laugh about it and i'm like great so now like not only does everybody have glass in their food (laughs) but somebody has to clean that up but it's okay because you're a wealthy white guy. So it's certainly not going to be you. If I wanted to show people an example of what people talk about when they talk about white male privilege, mm-hmm. I feel like I would show them this movie and be like, <laughs> like, this is the extreme of how white men have been trained to be entitled to whatever the fuck they want. Here's the other thing that I thought was kind of funny about that scene was that Stevie Wonder did the soundtrack. Oh my God, you're right. How did he feel about this? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. That's the only other redeeming thing about the movie is the Stevie Wonder soundtrack. Well, Stevie Wonder and Dionne Warwick. I love Stevie. But yeah, no, that's a good point. That seems insensitive. And then especially knowing that Stevie is directly connected to this movie. And the worst part is they do this regularly. It's not just like a one-time thing because they were doing it to cheer up their friend whose wife left him for serial cheating. And they're like, you need to do the blind man act tonight. Cheer him up. And it's like, okay. So you did all this while this guy's standing outside the window watching. Like to amuse a child. Yeah, that's they that's are. They're just is. like frat boys in their forties. <sighs> well, they got married early and their wives immediately became their mommies. 
So they never had to grow up emotionally. And also when you tell people, when you tell men that they need to ignore their emotions and be rational machines, basically, I mean, that generation definitely got the message that like emotions are not for men. So if you're telling people that they never even have a chance to develop their emotions. Like, of course, they're going to be emotionally immature. They don't even know how to have them and like actually deal with them because they just keep pushing them to the side. And when they finally come out, you know, they come out in ways that are socially acceptable to express. So that's why there's violence. And that's why they all call Joey's wife a bitch when she leaves him and are like, I can't believe she left you. I mean, you only cheat on her every night. (laughs) Speaking of Joey, there's a certain kind of guy. I think we've all met this guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you're a woman, if you're a woman who's ever been in your teens or 20s, you know this guy. (laughs) He's the guy that's 20 years older than you. Maybe his wife is even in the room. But boy, he's going to let you know that you're a fine piece of ass. And if you are not completely welcoming and accepting of the way in which he's telling you that he wants to fuck you, then you're a crazy bitch. Mm -hmm. Because he is entitled to all of your attention because he has a penis. Yeah. And you should just be thankful that he's even paying attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. All the scenes at the tennis club were basically just him objectifying younger women. Out loud to them. Oh, yeah. Out loud to them. (laughs) Because otherwise, what's the point? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to get a reaction out of them. You got to let them know that you're looking. Exactly. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking at people. No, of course not. If there was like a group of women in their 40s. Having lunch at the tennis club, they would be looking at all the guys, but they wouldn't be like grabbing their sexually harassing the guys to their face. He pinched the waitress's butt, and they were all like, all the guys were like, huh, huh, huh. It's (laughs) like here's a here's a pro tip for dating. If all of if the person you're dating, if all of their friends are horrible jerks, then the person you're dating is also a horrible jerk. Even if they say things like, oh, my gosh, can you believe my friends? They're such horrible jerks. (laughs) It's like, really? I mean, like, I've had that experience before where where I went to a party with a guy I was, like, interested in. And I was like, oh, all your friends are awful. Mm -hmm. Bye. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) That was a good way to find out fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Because it's like, all right. So even if you aren't a horrible jerk but your friends are, then you're Mm -hmm. a horrible or spineless person for being friends with them. And not standing up to when they do things that are awful. Like I've seen guys before, like a group of guys where one of them is being really sexually threatening to a woman and all of the guys, they just stand there and they don't do anything, but you can tell they don't agree with it. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't say anything either. Yeah. And I'm like, that is weak. Definitely. <laughs> like, oh, that's just Billy. That's how he mm-hmm. is. <laughs> yeah. Bye. 
Yeah, I think we've all seen that. <laughs> and as a waitress, I have definitely had uh, my butt pinched. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Got to get those tips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think every girl has had their butt pinched. If you've ever been in, like, a club or, mm-hmm. I don't know, just, it used to be, seem like anywhere. Someone could just grab your ass. Well... I have a technique for that. So you know how when somebody grabs your ass, they're like behind you? Yeah. So as soon as you feel that hand going towards your ass, because you can feel it before. And there's also an energy that happens. I've noticed when the ass grab has occurred. Mm -hmm. So you notice and immediately tighten every muscle in your body bones of steel yes and then throw (laughs) your arm back so that you elbow them in the gut and then when they slump over you throw you twist your elbow and you throw your fist up into their face as they're and the force of them going down like in pain like oh and throwing their head down (laughs) hitting and meeting the knuckle the back knuckle mm-hmm. of your hand well i imagine i've taught a couple people a lesson wow cuz that's been my technique so it sounds effective it worked both times twice you got to do that or mm-hmm. had to do that mm-hmm. uh no i've never actually done that it was a, i didn't I didn't do it on purpose. It was just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was a reflex reflex. after the first time it was a reflex. And then I was like, wait, what did I do? And then I like kind of broke it down and I was like, oh, okay. These are the motions. (laughs) Then I just always kind of programmed myself like ass grab. Well, okay. So there's no favorite quote of mine really in this movie, but there's one thing that was kind of amusing. So when his wife is having the uh, study group at their house Mm -hmm. and there's like, 40 people in his living room. I don't know what kind of study group she's having. She's not in there yet, but this woman's leading the group and she's talking about diets. Cause of course you have to talk about diets in an eighties movie. Yes. And she's like, and the next one is called the alphabet diet and it's 26 weeks and you can eat whatever you want. For the <laughs> first week you eat everything that starts with an A and the second week you eat everything that starts with a B <laughs> and so on and so on until you get to Z. That was kind of funny but I feel like actually that might be the funniest thing that might Mm -hmm. be the funniest scene in the movie it could be (laughs) I still didn't laugh out loud but no (laughs) I'm just like "Eh, eh, (laughs) a joke yeah it was like it was like the goodwill effect on jokes yeah (laughs) um I don't know there's just nothing funny and then um later so the night when he's like first planning to have his rendezvous, mm-hmm. then um, his wife is starts talking about their friend Joey and how he had cheated on his wife because mm-hmm. that was the day that they broke up. And she's like, if you ever did anything like that to me, I just don't know what I would do. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, no, let's talk about it. Tell me what would happen if I cheated on you. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I 
you think you know me, but I'm actually really jealous and Mm -hmm. I can get a little bit crazy. And uh, he's like, oh God. But then still like, that's not enough to deter him away. And then she's going to put something away in the drawer and she fires a gun and he's like, what the hell? And she's like, oh yeah, my mom gave me this gun when they were moving. (laughs) And it's just laying in a drawer in a house with children. They're watching a toddler that night. And then he pulls out a pair of his underwear and the gun had like blown a hole through his underwear right in the crotch. And it's just like symbolic of like, yes, this is what will happen to you if you cheat on me. But he still is trying to go out that night. Well, and she also, when they're sitting on the bed, (laughs) having the talk, the way that she's holding the gun, it's like it's pointed directly at his penis. Yeah. With his you know, like supposed to be funny, but again, is a threat of physical violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just thinking the whole time, like that gun is still loaded. Why are you mm-hmm. holding it? I just couldn't relax or mm-hmm. laugh during this movie at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the only part that was kind of funny is when he has his date scheduled to go to dinner with Charlotte and then his friend buddy takes him to get a makeover. Because Charlotte had commented on how his suit looks old. So he's like, oh, God, I better get more hip looking. Because she's actually only like 24 years old. I know. And he's like 50 or whatever. And uh, so his friend takes him to get like a new suit. And it's like an 80s looking poofy sleeve, narrow waist suit. Miami <laughs> Vice. He gets the hair done. Yeah, he's got like a denim Miami Vice suit. And then he goes to get his hair done and gets his like uh, curls all taken out and flattened down. <laughs> they look, they look hilarious. And he walks into a meeting wearing that suit with his hair all flattened out, and everyone's just staring at him like he's lost his mind. Yeah, because he looks crazy. He realizes like I've gone too far, and he goes <laughs> in the bathroom and wets his hair down so it gets curly again. The reaction that his coworkers have in the meeting scene is the representation of what I imagine how audience members were reacting <laughs> when they see this movie. Yes, they just look bewildered and appalled. And I'm sure that's how the audience felt when they left. Oh. I don't know if movies like this like made me... I was very insecure in relationships. Yes. Uh-huh. And I feel like watching movies like this my whole life contributed to that. Oh, totally. Well, and the other part of it too is that like his wife is only 38 in this movie. Like Teddy's wife is 38. Teddy's like 50. And still he needs an even younger woman. So another message that I think is a great way to make sure that older women's wisdom is never shared with younger women um, it's a divide and conquer technique mm. of letting women know that all women younger than you are always a threat. Mm-hmm. And that just the fact that they're younger makes them a threat. And we get this over and over and over again in movies to the point where I won't watch a new movie if that's the plot. If the plot is that a, a guy is leaving his wife for a younger woman, I no longer watch those movies. Because I'm like, you know what? You can't tell me a new story with this. Because this is like (laughs) 60% of movies (laughs) since 1980. So true. uh, Isn't that interesting to coincide with the women's movement? 
yeah, I totally think you're right about that, that that contributes to paranoia in relationships. Yeah, because they seemed happy together. You know, they weren't fighting. There was no obvious problems. She was happy. She thought everything was fine. She was a loving, comforting wife. She's 12 years younger than he is. Not even, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not enough. (laughs) So it's like, and all of his friends are cheating on their significant others too. So it's just like, what is, is this just what happens when you grow up? You're just, everyone just cheats on each other. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. Most teenage boys don't act the way the guys in this movie act, quite frankly. (laughs) You know, and so it's, it's also really sucks for men. These messages are horrible for men because say you're a guy who, and there's a lot of them out there who are really great boyfriends and husbands, right? Mm -hmm. But because the women in your life have all been trained to be suspicious of you automatically just because they're dating you, it's not, it's not good for relationships. And also though, it's just a boring plot device, quite frankly. It's like one of those ad lib movies, you know, <laughs> like bad libs where you just fill in the noun yeah. and the verb and yeah, this is happening now. Yeah. Seen this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It's like every tired trope is rolled into one mm-hmm. movie and it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> the other like really disturbing scene is when. He's finally going on his date with Charlotte and his friend Buddy is chauffeuring him around because of some dumb bet they made or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we just need to stop at Ma Bell's or Ma Bella or whatever he calls mm-hmm. her real fast before we go to dinner because she called me and it's her birthday tonight and I just want to have a drink with her really fast. And then his friend Buddy is like, are you sure you want to do that tonight when mm-hmm. you've got this other woman with you that's not your wife? And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, she she doesn't even, Ma Bell doesn't even talk to Dee Dee, my wife. And But she he doesn't say my wife because he still doesn't mm, want Charlotte to exactly. know he's married. But it's like, why would you bring your mistress to your grandma's house for her birthday to have a drink with her? It's all so dumb. And then they get on inside. And it turns out it was actually like a surprise party for him. So his whole family's there, like his wife and his kids and everyone. And he's just like... Uh, so he's standing there with Charlotte, like, how am I going to get out of this? And then luckily his friend, Buddy, comes up and rescues him and pretends that he is dating Charlotte and Mm -hmm. then takes them away. So he was saved there, but he almost got completely busted in front of his entire family. But even that's still not enough to stop him. Because afterwards, his friends come get him and do this elaborate ploy of pretending that his friend is suicidal to get him out of the party so that he can go meet Charlotte that night. And then Joey is outside screaming that he's going to kill his wife because she left him. Oh, I thought he was just saying he was going to kill himself. No, he was like, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to kill her because I cheat on her all the time and she's pissed off about it crazy bitch there's so many crazy bitches out there here was an interesting thing so Dee Dee and teddy's daughter 
is friends with this guy named Shelly who has oh a my god. Shelly, we find out, actually has a crush on Dee Dee. And he comes into her bedroom and he stands behind her and he puts his hand on her boob. And then he just leaves it there while she protests. And then she's finally just like, I'll just stand here awkwardly and not say anything about it. Because I've had so much sexual trauma in this culture that I guess I'm just going to have to put up with it and smile. Yeah, that was a really awkward scene. While she's on the phone with her husband, while he's telling her all of his lies about how he's on a business trip, but really he's going to meet Charlotte in L.A., then this weird teenage boy comes up behind her and just grabs her boob. And he's friends with her daughters, and he's like, her daughters are in the other room, like, yelling for him to come in and finish playing the game. And she doesn't do anything about it. She just is like, he finally takes his hand off and leaves. And she's just like, she's so exasperated. She just falls onto the bed and it's like, okay. And so now you're going to let this psychopath go into the room with your two young daughters after he just sexually assaulted you. And you're fine with that. Yes. What the heck? Well, she's been completely uh, brainwashed and gaslighted by the malignant narcissist she's married to. Oh Oh my my God. God. (laughs) what else can you say i know i i felt like you know the the scene where shelly's just leaving his breast or where shelly's like grabbing (laughs) dd's breast and leaving it there um Mm -hmm. this is another example of hey if you're a man it doesn't matter if you have a mohawk you are still entitled to any woman's body any time you want it, even if you're a teenage boy, mm-hmm. like we're getting messages that we need to weigh a hundred pounds, have double D boobs and 18 inch waist. And that we also need to, Oh, I don't know. Be completely willing to fuck anybody who asks. And men are getting, messages too i mean like there are little boys watching this movie like what did they think Mm -hmm. what message did they get yeah that'd be interesting to find out i definitely thought about like trust issues when i watch this movie like oh that's why i was so insanely jealous and insecure through my teens and 20s because of movies like this (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Surely it's not all movies, but I mean, it's the movies contributed a lot to yeah. to our thoughts and ideas and expectations of the world. Yeah. So, okay, another disturbing thing about this movie <laughs> is after uh, Charlotte finds out from busting in on his surprise party that he is indeed married. Oh. And oh. she wants him even more. Oh, she's like, now that I know you're married... I want you even more guy who's yeah. 30 years older than me and looks like he hasn't drank water in three days and <laughs> chain smokes for the last 50 years of his life. So for Charlotte, it turns out that maybe she likes him being married because she's also married. Yes. Bombshell. Yeah. So her husband's like a pilot and he's gone a lot. So while he's gone, she's getting it on. 
it sounded like she was saying like, oh, you've got a wife and kids and you're responsible and you've really been dreaming about this. So it's like she was just going to give him his fantasy and that's what turned her on and that's why she wanted him more. So she's not attracted to him because he's attractive. She's attracted to him because he's attracted to her. Exactly. And so she's just getting off on the sexual energy of being objectified. This is a great way to set women up so that they keep their boundaries down and they ignore all of their body signals that tell them, no, this guy's gross. (laughs) It also lets guys off the hook uh, for giving women orgasms. Oh, if the woman is turned on, not because she's actually turned on by something, some sexual stimulus, but that she's turned on by the psychological impact of knowing that someone finds her attractive, therefore validating her whole existence as a woman, then that means that her sexual pleasure is always secondary because theoretically He's getting off on the guy getting off. So when the guy orgasms, hey, that should get you off, <laughs> lady. I don't know where the clit is. I don't need to because I'm <laughs> horny. And that's every guy in this movie. Uh, you, yeah. know the, you know, every guy in this movie probably takes like 15 seconds to ejaculate. I think you're right. Just by looking at them and the way they act. I'm sure they're all terrible in bed. And Joey's doing poppers. Joey. Joey. Yeah. Oh, there's a locker room scene where we get to see men in the shower. That's a nice oh, twist, except yeah. I don't want to see any of them in the shower. No, me either. That's about it. There's actually like really no nudity. You see mm-hmm. Charlotte in her underwear from behind and you see like some side boob, but there's no gratuitous nudity. So at least that's something. It was awful. I really don't know what I was expecting. I was just like, oh, Gene Wilder, I remember liking him. And then it was like, oh, don't need to see it again. No. The one saving grace is that it's only about 90 minutes long. Yeah, that was good. That's the other good (laughs) thing about it. It's short. (laughs) We find out that uh, Charlotte's married just as they're about to do it. Now, here's my question. Why the hell is Charlotte's husband ringing the doorbell to their apartment? Yeah. So I guess it's one that you have to like get buzzed in and I don't know. Sorry. That was like my first thought. I was like, well, this is not, you know, but anyway, (laughs) so we find out she's married and she tells uh, Teddy to go out on the ledge. So he's out on the ledge in a bathrobe and a crowd gathers We're back at where we were at the beginning of the movie. And we're like, oh, this is how you got up on this ledge. You're not actually going to kill yourself. The crowd forms. His wife sees him on TV. Yeah. What is her reaction? I can't read what's going on there. It kind of looked like she was laughing. It's like she was crying and then laughing and then then like maniacally laughing. Mm -hmm. She's just like, oh, Teddy. I think it might be. I thought it was like the point where she realized that her husband is a facade and that he's actually a malignant narcissist. Okay. And that now she knows the truth. Mm-hmm. Like she already had her suspicions at the party mm-hmm. and then she's just like, okay. We see a reporter. She's a hot little blonde in a very short jean skirt and some, some pumps. 
And we get this long pan from her hot little pumps all the way up her leg. Isn't that what they did for like Walter Cronkite too? Yes. Yeah. Every <laughs> time. They do for all I mean, reporters. <laughs> yeah. It's really the only reason I watch the news because I know I'm going to get some hot shots. Is this a redemption story we're thinking, right? Oh, he's out on this ledge. He's realizing his mistake. And he's not going to do this again. He's going to go home to his wife and he's going to be like, oh, I love you, babe. But then he looks over at the hot little blonde reporter. And that, to me, confirmed my suspicion that this movie is not like a morality tale of any kind. And that it's actually like just people acting like they're making fun of awful behavior, but actually validating and justifying awful behavior. Yeah, they imply that the blonde is going to be his next victim, basically. I did think, is this Elizabeth from Sweet Valley High? She totally could be. That would be about the right age for him. Yeah. Now he's got to have an even younger woman. Oh, for sure. (laughs) 24 is too old. Yeah, gross. I mean, they could have a kid by them. Ew. Then you can't have sex with them anymore. God. Um, yeah. So he's just going to go on to the next one and probably take up an interest in photojournalism mm-hmm. oh. to get closer to her. Mm-hmm. And then stalk her until she gives in to going out with him, too. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to wash my hands of this movie. Oh my God. Forget I, need, I ever saw it. I need a psychic colonic. <laughs> so... What would be a good question for this week? Like, have you ever taken up a hobby or something to get closer to someone that you're interested in? Ooh, or like fiend good. interest in something that you actually don't care about just mm. to get closer to someone? This movie could have been good. It could have been a tale of a man who realizes that he's not investing in his own happiness enough and that that's actually why he's not happy with his marriage and that looking for something external to validate or his existence or make him feel alive is really immature. So at every turn of the movie, he's being punished for wanting her, right? He's being punished for wanting to have an affair, but he's not being punished by his guilt. He's not being punished by his friends. He's being punished by the cir- just like circumstances or and also Gilda's Gilda Radner's yeah. character. So she's kind of like the character in the movie that's like um, avenging his wife for the cheating. It could have been a story about how we all have times in our lives when where we get like weirdly where we can't get someone out of our head, even though we really don't want them in our head for whatever reason. Maybe you're married. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just have a lot of work to do and romance is a distraction, whatever it is. And that's not bad. Now, a lot of people, when that happens, they're like, well, I'm an adult and I can avoid that person. Or I can set up ways in which to like make sure that I don't give in to this thing that I keep thinking about, right? But the person who unconsciously doesn't want to be in a relationship with their partner 
or maybe they really do, but like they're very unsatisfied with something and they can't talk about it, or maybe they don't even realize that it's there or what it is yet. Mm -hmm. They'll meet that person and they'll start to look around at their partner and go, here's where I can justify having sex with this other person. Here's where I can, here's what you're doing Mm -hmm. that is making you so annoying that I can go, well, I have every right to cheat because my partner doing all the stuff that is obnoxious and you're never looking at yourself. So there's lots of people in great relationships who cheat. I do not think it's because people suck. I think it's because people are unhappy and they haven't learned how to find contentment and peace and satisfaction with themselves by themselves. So, if their partner is not giving them that attention, they don't know how to get that feeling for themselves. Basically, it's like they don't know how to parent themselves. Like the comfort when you can comfort yourself, you know, so you need somebody else or you need something else. And because people don't know how to do that, they look to another person who isn't their partner. Mm -hmm. And that's a really normal human thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just because Charlotte Kelly LeBrock is extremely beautiful and he wants to be with her. It's like, yeah, who wouldn't want to be with her? I would want to be with her. She's gorgeous. Yeah. But sure. you can't. So you don't get the option of just like lying to everyone in your life and throwing your life away just because you feel like you deserve to be with a beautiful woman. You don't. A lot of times you see only beautiful women. And then maybe there's like one attractive guy. But the rest of the guys are like really nothing to write home about. And that's not the point because they're real actors, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so there's tons of movies like that. And oh, yeah. growing up, I would watch movies and even movies that I really like. I'm sitting there going, there's no fucking way that guy's going to end up with a lady that looks like that. He doesn't mm-hmm. even have any money. And it's back again to that thing of like, historically, like guys have not had the pressure to look good. Right. Because they're told that we're, that as women, we're just going to get turned on by the fact that they think we're hot and fuckable. Mm-hmm. Because our whole identity as a woman is wrapped up in if a man values us sexually and that is it i know i said that like up top but i want to say it again i really feel that i think that's a really good point i was like what if what if this movie really was supposed to be like a morality tale and actually making fun of guys who are like this like what if that was the intention And it was just very poorly executed. Is that a possibility? I guess it's possible. But if so, it was very poorly executed and I think it backfired. I feel like maybe you think I might be an optimist. (laughs) 
I really don't know because I want to feel like what you're saying is correct because yeah. I feel like he is a nice person and would be a good husband and he and Gilda had a good relationship so I want to believe that you're saying he's making it like a I don't know there's like a cautionary tale or but I don't know I actually don't think that though I think that this is a weird this movie is a weird like way to justify lying and betraying your partner's trust while also acting like you're doing the opposite and I think that's gaslighting so was this movie trying to gaslight us (laughs) people in the narcissism spectrum are not that way on purpose they're not maniacally planning and plotting their every move towards being as awful and manipulative as possible to other people and uh, okay maybe some people are actually like that but Mm -hmm. I've met a few I've met my fair share of people who are on the narcissism spectrum and they are not intentional about it like they don't even know they're doing it in (laughs) most cases Mm -hmm. and that's pretty clear I think that it's just not a great idea to pass people off like they're monsters like I don't think I don't think you're letting them off the hook to acknowledge that they have humanity in there somewhere and that their primary motivation is to avoid shame I just think it's good to keep in mind because I have been throwing malignant narcissist around a lot (laughs) I think it's okay in this case (laughs) to do that it's fine yeah I think that about sums it up Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this movie, Teddy becomes obsessed with Charlotte and he makes a lot of mistakes. He does a lot of dumb things and he basically makes a fool out of himself in pursuit of her. So have you ever made a fool out of yourself to try to get closer to someone or to impress someone or just because you're so obsessed with someone, you kind of lose your mind and <laughs> make a fool out of yourself? If you ever have, I'm sure your stories at podcast at gmail.com or on our Instagram or Twitter. Also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like our show, please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. You can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. And don't forget, we love it when you subscribe, rate, and review. Are we going to say see you next Tuesday still? (laughs) Okay, we can say bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I just called to say this movie sucks. (laughs) It totally does.